Dear listeners, in today's episode, my guest is Julia Barling. But this is not an ordinary episode because I spoke to Julia last year. And now when I went to make a podcast of our conversation, I contacted her and asked her if she was willing to give me a little bit more information about herself and what happened since we last spoke. And Julia, to my beautiful surprise, told me that she has been appointed as a magistrate. So all her work in private law firms, public sector, Victoria Legal Aid, um, civil litigation work, her activities in family law, child protection, and many other areas have beautifully blossomed. And Julia Barling is now a judge. It is my pleasure to uh, play this episode from, as I said, uh, last year. And I'm sure you're going to find a lot of useful information, especially in relation to starting one's own mediation practice. And Julia has done that successfully. Of course, now we see that she has progressed in her career and we wish her all the best. That's all for me now. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Mediation Today, a program brought to you by Vesnatsa Tichanin, a Canberra lawyer and mediator. Every episode introduces an experienced Australian mediator to talk about mediation training, development, ethics and practice. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the ACT land, the Ngunnawal people. Dear listeners, in today's episode, my guest is a mediator from Warrnambool in Victoria, Julia Barling. Good morning, Julia, and welcome to my program, Mediation Today. Thanks for having me, Vesna. Good morning. Julia is a lawyer by profession and has been practicing law for almost 20 years. Most of her professional life has been spent working with people in conflict. She has worked in private law firms and also in the public sector with Victoria Legal Aid over the course of her career. During COVID, Julia used her complete lack of social life, as she says, to throw herself into her mediation and family dispute resolution training. And by the start of 2021, she was an NMAS qualified mediator and a registered family dispute resolution practitioner. The initial plan was to incorporate mediation work into her family law practice, but it soon became clear to her that her passion was really in sorting things out rather than litigation. That is a very interesting start to your mediation career. I think Julia will have an opportunity to unpack all of that. So let's start with my first question. You told me that where you lived, there wasn't a local mediation service. And so you saw an opportunity to take the leap and start your own practice, which you did in July 2021. Tell us about it a little bit. How did it happen? How did you start? Well, I started the mediation practice. I finished up my employment as a family lawyer and, and decided to throw myself into, into mediation. Uh, it, was, it was a risk. It was a leap of faith. But I saw that there really was um, a demand for a private service to help people resolve disputes of all kinds. 
uh, outside of the court process in the southwest of Victoria, so servicing Warrnambool and Portland and Hamilton and surrounds, as the, the nearest mediator was based in Geelong, um, but most matters went to mediation in Melbourne, and that involved people travelling up to four hours each way to, to go to a mediation in person. So I really wanted to, to offer people an option to, to undertake mediation locally to keep the costs down and to keep the inconvenience down of the mediation process and, and help people sort things out without having to travel long distances. Certainly wasn't without challenges um, because the week after I started, Victoria went back into lockdown and so that was certainly a challenging time. But in some ways, it also presented a lot of opportunities because as we're all using technology a lot more, uh, Zoom mediations became really popular and it meant that I was able to offer mediations not only in southwest Victoria but also to people who needed assistance to resolve disputes all over Australia. A lot of the work that I do is family law, which is a Commonwealth jurisdiction, and so I was able to, to help people in Brisbane or in Melbourne or in regional New South Wales, uh, and people were much more open to engaging a mediator who lived in a different location because they were able to, to engage with the process using technology. Yes, all of us have, to a greater or lesser extent, used Zoom and other platforms to deal with our clients and, and talk to people and do at least some parts of the process like intake. Mm. But before we go into those practicalities, just tell me, what got you interested in dispute resolution, Julia? I've always been involved in matters, as you said in my introduction, where people have been in disputes of some kind. And up until recently, I've been involved as a lawyer assisting and advising one of the parties to the dispute. And we've engaged in, in lots of mediation processes in different forms. Some are more facilitative mediation, some are more settlement focused, but I've worked around lots of disputes and seen lots of different ways that the dispute can be approached to try and to try and reach an agreement. And I saw different parts of the way mediators worked that, that I really liked and, and picked up little bits and pieces over over the course of the last particularly the last ten or fifteen years, I suppose, seen approaches that I thought, Oh, that that's a really effective way of getting past that loggerhead in the mm -hmm. discussion or that's a really, really effective way to convince people why it's a good idea to reach an agreement today instead of waiting for a judge to, to make a decision in six months' time when, when, it, when the matter ultimately gets to court. So I saw the benefits of the process. I always encouraged my clients to engage with alternative dispute resolution processes and I suppose a lot of people over COVID reflected on what they want to do with with the rest of their life and I've been practicing for 20 years I've still got another 20 years left of my working life and I really stopped and thought that I don't want to spend the next 20 years um, going through court processes I want to spend the next 20 years of my working life helping people avoid ending up in costly and stressful litigation processes so I really looked at the benefits I looked at how my, my own skills and my own strengths could be used to help people avoid going down the path of litigation or, or pull them away from litigation if that's already started and felt as though it was something that would give me a lot more satisfaction in my work and still with its own stresses but with a different type of stress going forward. 
Mm. I always say that in my program, I interview experienced and successful mediators. I have no doubts that your mediation practice is going to be and is very successful. But you oh, have thanks, been, uh, but you have been in the in the uh, in your private practice only for six months, but. That was one of the reasons that I actually wanted to to talk to you about that very detail. Uh, uh -huh. For new mediators, how did you find that? Was it difficult? And, and let me just immediately link it to that 20-year-long career of being a lawyer, having your uh -huh. network of colleagues, lawyers. Did they help you? How did it all work and come together? Because you're already having that broad approach, Brisbane, um, Western Australia, whoever approaches you and you already have sort of put yourself out there. It's a really good point and that's something that I, I had to think about when I was planning on opening my practice. How do I make sure that I am getting the work in so that I uh, am establishing an, a successful practice that's able to support my family. So I went about, before I opened my practice, I did a lot of the preparation work um, before, I, well, whilst I was still in employment, I um, did work around setting up my website, I did promotional material, I did things like agreements to mediate and all of the, all of the documents that go along with with um, running a mediation practice so that when I started, I was actually able to accept work straight away. Uh, then once again, before I started the practice, before I started the practice, part of that preparation was making sure that I had the right networks in place. So having practiced as a lawyer for a long time, I did have strong established professional networks um, with family lawyers. And I saw that that was a particular um, uh, area of strength for me and that I had people that I had worked with um, on the other side of matters that were able to think about referring matters to me and I and I uh, reached out to people that I have worked with in the past and let them know that I had started a mediation practice. I also uh, used um, professional networking tools like LinkedIn to connect to people that I hadn't met previously but who worked at and it was clear from there LinkedIn profiles that they worked in a way that was consistent with the way that I wanted to work. They were collaboratively trained or they were working, show, showing a commitment to resolving matters as early as possible without the need for litigation. There, there are people who I could tell from their, um, from their posts and the things that they were engaging with online that they were people who wanted to support their clients to reach agreements outside of the court process. And so I, I made a deliberate effort to connect uh, with people who I would like to work with moving forward. Then I looked at different ways that I could engage with people that I already knew and people that I was just getting to know through these professional networks. I also looked at other things that I could do to make sure that I had not a predictable income stream. Also just giving me as much experience I suppose I, I sometimes call it seat time, as much time actually running mediations as possible. And I engaged with the local family relationship centre to do some contract work and, and that meant that I did, I think it was about 60 mediations with them last year. And that was a really good starting point in terms of building further networks within the local family dispute resolution community but also uh, working with lawyers who were engaging in lawyer assisted mediation through the family relationship center so what i found was that actually working with people for the first time working with lawyers for the first time in a mediation was the best advertising that i could do so if mm -hmm. i was able to engage with them 
in a mediation in whatever capacity, whether it was through the Family Relationship Centre or through my private service, that I was able to show them that I was doing a good job and that I was able to help people reach an agreement in a way where people are able to still feel in control of the process and they're still able to feel empowered through the mediation process whilst still focusing on trying to reach an agreement. And I found that once I worked with lawyers who were involved in a mediation, those lawyers have been much more likely to, to recommend me as the mediator for other clients that, that come across their desk. Initially, it was a slow process, um, but it certainly picked up. The more mediations I did, the more mediations are coming through, which is fantastic. And I really appreciate the support that I've, that I've received from both my long-term family law colleagues, but also from people that I've met more recently. That sounds really very uh, proactive and also sounds very wise because I think that people who are starting, they would have experienced that a little bit of anxiety. Who will know about me? Who will trust my services? How do I promote myself? So I think that, that, that there are a couple of messages, at least use your existing networks, of course, have that integrity as a, as a professional and, and follow through your, your links. And also don't be afraid of being a voice for yourself. you mostly practice in the area of family dispute resolution. It is known to be a fairly difficult area of practice. Could you tell us why you chose this field and how are you navigating your practice in a relatively small town? Thanks, Vesna. So, so family law is a very challenging area of law. I know when I first started practicing as a lawyer, I found it particularly difficult to separate my professional life and my personal life. Uh, that's something that has has become easier with experience and I think that I think that experience in family law is really what has led me to the focus on family dispute resolution. I also do say some other generalist workplace and commercial mediation as well but the focus on family dispute resolution really comes from having a really solid understanding of the issues that the families that are coming to family dispute resolution are facing, whether they're children's issues or property settlement issues, having a good understanding of the legal issues, uh, but also having a good understanding of, of a lot of the other emotional and social issues that lead to parties ending up in a family dispute resolution process. I feel that having that background helps me to ask questions of people going through the process in a way that that helps the individuals to realise for themselves what is going to be the best way forward for them and for their family. So it's not, obviously, as a mediator, I'm not giving advice, I'm not telling people what they should do, but having a good understanding of the context of family law um, and common issues that come up for people, uh, it helps me to to prompt people to think about different things. And once they've thought through that as part of the the pre-mediations and the family dispute resolution session itself, um, people will often come up with really workable and practical solution moving forward. And without that background knowledge of the common pitfalls and the, the agreements that people come up with that I've then had to try and undo and fix up over the years, by highlighting some of those things to people, they come up with much more sensible um, and long-lasting agreements. It certainly is is hard. A regional area, uh, I know um, that 
some of the families that I work with have got children that go to the same school as my son. I sometimes go for a walk down at the breakwater and run into clients or former clients and uh, likewise at the supermarket or the local cafe. But I think it comes down to maintaining professionalism, uh, making sure that you're that the people that you're working with have got complete trust in the fact that you respect the confidentiality of the process, that you're not going to be telling anyone else any of their personal business and that if you see each other, you will acknowledge that you that you may have met but obviously not giving any context as to where you have met that person in the past. It's just as if you've met them at a soccer game or you uh, were waiting in line with them at McDonald's. It's it's just one of those things that, you, that I maintain with my clients a very clear commitment to respect the confidentiality of the process to respect that they are going through a really tough time and that that it would be terribly embarrassing for them to to have their dirty laundry as such aired in public and Mm. that I that the focus of my work is really to help them get to a point where they can go on with their lives in a in a more civil way um, with a with a plan and a structure in place whether it's about property settlement or children's issues um, and that they can do that knowing that the mediation process is a really protected and safe space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that privacy and confidentiality is really important in our work. And I think in, in the family law area, it's equally important as, uh, as in any other area. And you said that you practice in other, uh, in other fields as well which leads me to the last question that that we discussed in preparation for this interview just if you could tell me quickly the changes to the family law system let's say uh, which which was very significant came around october last year that would have been about three or four months into your own practice did you mm-hmm. see any changes? And you indicated that uh, most practitioners would have seen, would have noticed an increase in court-ordered dispute resolution in, in, in that field. Uh, how do you find the latest changes in the family court system? Uh, I, I am pleased to see that there is a renewed commitment to dispute resolution in the, in the family law case management pathways that were mm. introduced um, in September last year, I was aware that the changes were coming and to a certain extent that gave me some confidence when yeah. I was starting my practice because I, I believed that there was going to be more more need for family mediations uh, in either pre-litigation or once litigation had commenced. Yeah. And that, so that was something that I was really hoping that my legal background would, would be a selling point uh, when I'm talking to, to practitioners about whether they would engage my services to to help their clients reach agreement. What I have seen is that um, there's been a lot more mediation for property settlements uh, before people commence proceedings. When I was in practice, people would write a few letters and if they didn't reach an agreement, they were much more likely to issue proceedings. Mm. And once the proceedings started, all the documents needed to be prepared and the costs escalated really quite quickly. Uh, whereas what I'm seeing now is a lot more matters, even with small asset pools are being referred to private mediation before litigation commences so that people can comply with the with the requirements and that's a, so that they can 
uh, complete their genuine step certificate. I don't think I haven't seen a change in pre-litigation with children's issues because there's still a requirement that people attempt mediation. That's been in place for for many years. Yeah, that people that's attempt right. mediation yeah. for children's issues, but property settlements are where I've really seen the difference. Uh, and I've also seen people referring referring their clients for dispute resolution that's been court ordered. They're, they're matters that are really quite productive because by that point, uh, the parties have exchanged all of their information about the asset pool. They've gone through what we call a disclosure process. They've filed financial statements. Right. They've given mm. they've given each other bank statements. They've gone through a process of getting valuations of, of any assets where people disagree about how much something is worth. And so you've got a much better picture of what the asset pool is. You've got some affidavit material saying what all of the contributions were to those assets and what everyone's future needs were what future needs are and so it means that when you come to the mediation after litigation has commenced you're in a much better position to help people make informed decisions about how to reach an agreement and one other thing that I really like about that process is that the the lawyers are obliged on both sides are obliged to give really clear information to their clients about if we don't reach agreement at this conference today the legal costs up until the next hearing will be X number of dollars. Mm. And I think that, that that's a really powerful thing. Extremely uh, powerful. Than... Yes, that's right. That's what I've noticed as well <laughs> in my practice. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. And and if clients have got that figure in their mind, it will often help them sharpen their pencil and narrow their view about what they're willing to accept yeah. because because they have got a realistic idea of what it's going to cost if they're, if they're not able to reach an agreement today. So, so I've seen some really positive changes. I don't think that the system's perfect. No system is perfect, um, but I really do appreciate the renewed emphasis on on dispute resolution and mediation either before court proceedings start or once litigation has commenced. Thank you so much for this. This is pretty much as much time as we have in this in this episode. Mm-hmm.